Hey y'all, welcome to the I Am Cannabis Sativa podcast. I am your host, Dan Scotland. If you're currently a medical marijuana patient and want to tell your story and be featured on the podcast, feel free to email me at iamcannabisativa at gmail.com. Feel free to hit me up on Instagram at iamcannabisativa. Feel free to check out our official Twitter account at iccativapod. You can also find and subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Anchor, Overcast, Radio Public, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and the Google Play Music Store. Please rate and review us on iTunes, as rating and reviewing us will bump up the pod on their algorithm and put this podcast in front of even more eyeballs. If you like what we are doing and you find yourself coming around often, please become a Patreon supporter of this podcast and support us. By supporting us, this helps us to keep the lights on, pay rent, pay for hosting, equipment, and travel. You can do this by going to HTTPS anchor.fm slash I am cannabis sativa podcast slash support. You can also support me now on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash I see sativa podcasts. You can support the podcast for as little as $1 a month. We also have a $5 tier if you're feeling extra generous. Hey y'all, Mrs. Sativa here. Hope you guys are having a very good one. So, like like I've been talking about, I always say that it's very useful to learn from other states or municipalities that have previously legalized cannabis. And even states that have had it legal for a couple of years. For us, us states that are still new at having adult use, like Michigan and you know, even Massachusetts, we just completed our first year, our first calendar year of retail sales this November. So we've only had retail sales for the past maybe 13 or so months. And so it's still very new to us. We only have 30 stores, 30 adult use stores. And it's still going to be new to people in Illinois when next January, they're going to have their stores up and running too. So I, I really feel that it's it's useful to glean from other states. So I'm going to read I'm going to start this multi-part series from this from the Nevada Independent about Nevada's journey and the growing pains that they've been going through since legalizing in 2016 and having their first stores open in 2017. They didn't they wasted no time like like Massachusetts did or like like Michigan did. You know, they, they had the stores up and running in just a few months. And I think California was the same way too. So I'm going to, so what I'm going to do, I'm going to read this sort of article and it's a multi-part article. Um, I'll, I'll read the next part in, in, a, in a future episode, but let's sort of get the ball rolling and let's learn from Nevada and what, what they've been going through since legalizing cannabis. So you know, in, in us, in, in the states that are newly doing it, you know, we can have a better outcome and we can know more of what to expect and can have a smoother rollout than they did. Because again, we can learn from everyone that has made it legal. You know, when you look at the, when you look at the states that have legalized, which is so far 11, 
and you look at Canada and then you look at Uruguay and South Africa and what other country? You know, the, the capital ter territory of Australia, I think Guam has looked into it or they've already done it. Um, but yeah, when you really, when you look at the countries that have it legalized, it's a very, very tiny and short list. So, you know, we're, we're sort of, we're sort of all going at this together and we can all learn from each other. And as usual, I can be found on various different platforms like Spotify, iTunes, CastBox, Podbean, Radio Public, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, and other platforms like it. Growing Pains by Michelle Rindels. And this is from the NevadaIndependent.com. The Nevada marijuana industry is in a moment of rapid change, but broad uncertainty just as it faces the tightening grip of regulation. In just two years, the narrative surrounding Nevada's legal marijuana industry has shifted from praise from the improbably smooth and lucrative launch of retail cannabis sales to an industry divided by legal wrangling and clouded by questions of the adequacy of state regulation. Many questions remain unanswered. Who is on a secretive new governor convened task force focused on rooting out potential corruption in the marijuana realm? Was there corruption to begin with, either by state, by the state, or by businesses? Will anyone lose a license? Thanks to a bill signed into law this spring, there is a bit more sunlight on the process that was once completely shrouded in secrecy because of taxpayer confidentiality laws. Over the next few weeks, a series of stories called The Cannabis Files will explore the trends laid out in the data released from SV32 and analyzed by the Nevada Independent. The records not only reveal who has a stake in the businesses, but paint a picture of rapidly changing industry that is becoming increasingly corporate, with ownership transfers so frequent that elected officials find it hard to keep up. Opening up the information ushers in a new era of transparency that will benefit the industry and the public. Governor Steve Sisolak said when he signed the bill in May, and it offers a glimpse of the challenges that lie ahead as Nevada once again overhauls its marijuana regulation next year and adopts a cannabis control board oversight regime, not unlike one that reigned in casinos into a respected mainstream. I will say overall, I think that our industry is at a point that it is not terribly diff different than gambling was, said John Ritter, a board member of the Grove and the Nevada Dispensary Association. I welcome the fact that the industry is treated more seriously and being treated like ga gaming. House divided. Nevada's launch of retail marijuana sales in July 2017, six months ahead of schedule, was met with great fanfare, especially in light of troubles neighboring states encountered with their rollouts. But in spite of the high-flying revenue numbers, 
The state brought in 70 million in its first year, or 140% of what it was projected. Critics now wonder whether corners were cut in the rush to unlock the recreational marijuana market, which dwarfs the size of the medical marijuana market. And they wonder whether the Department of Taxation that assumed responsibility of marijuana regulation in 2017 was prepared for the task that has since dominated its workload and and that in the future will be assigned to a marijuana specific board with more enforcement teeth. This is another area where I think there was a rush to get revenue into the state coffers, Sisolak said on Thursday at the release of an audit of the state's marijuana enforcement division. Quote, we're doing everything we can to clean up those issues. Chief among those are questions about whether the state was unfair when it awarded 61 conditional licenses in late 2018 in response to 460 applications, while many dispensary owners agree that the initial voter-approved dispensary cap is prudent to keep the quality of the stores high and to avoid having one on every street corner. Again, what's bad about having one on every street corner? You know, we have booze stores and and, and ethanol dispensaries at every corner. Um, There's just, there's so many just near my block, you know, and that stuff that in alcohol, we know alcohol impairs people's driving. We know that alcohol can lead to death if you take too much yet i don't see nearly this much hand wringing when it comes to the ethanol dispensaries and how much we have around the country yet we have to cap the amount of cannabis dispensaries when cannabis has been proven to have health benefits and has been proven to be an effective medicine for many conditions we have to be like we have to limit how much they are and because oh my god we have to think of the children oh my god we can't have them in every corner when when alcohol doesn't have medical benefit tobacco doesn't have medical benefit yet we don't have caps on the number of places that can sell those but i digress let's continue the concentration of those the of those new licenses among just 17 businesses including one that has captured a full 11 licenses surprised and angered on who did not win the state is involved in about a dozen lawsuits over the situation a audit launched in march released last week concluded that the state's licensing process was adequate if not perfect auditors said more transparency about scoring criteria and automation to reduce human errors while reviewing business applications would help, as well as redistributing licenses that can't be used because they're for jurisdictions that have a marijuana moratorium. The audit revealed no bombshells or conclusive evidence that the process was rigged. But questions will be further litigated in court at trial, scheduled to begin this spring. Court proceedings stemming from a lawsuit filed by dispensary owners who did not win additional licenses lasted for months this summer and led to a partial preliminary injunction 
in August that barred the state from granting some dispensaries final approval to open. Clark County District Court Judge Elizabeth Gonzalez agreed that there were flaws with the process, saying, quote, saying it was impacted by personal relationships and that the diversity category was subject to manipulation by applicants, but did not toss the entire licensing round out of hand. Marijuana Enforcement Agency leader Jorge Pupo Whose, di whose dinners with certain applicants and selective and apparent selective sharing and information about applicants was a focal point of the court proceedings le left the post under circumstances that have not been fully explained. But one of the biggest consequences of the lawsuit and the subsequent moratorium has been a split between the haves and the have-nots, with dispensary licensed winners blaming the losers for lawsuits that have jammed up their efforts to open the new stores. It created a giant schism with the industry, said David Guildwater, a member of the Nevada Dispensary Association and owner of Inyo Fine Cannabis Dispensary, which did not win additional licenses in the latest round. Late last month, eight cases against the state were consolidated as they headed towards trial. Foreign influence. On top of that dispute, a recent indictment alleges that two associates of former New York City Mayor Rudy Giuliani, with ties to Eastern Europe, conspired to get involved in the industry. Once they missed the deadline, they allegedly made illegal campaign donations to Republican gubernatorial hopeful Adam Lexalt and attorney general candidate West Duncan financed by a foreign national in hopes that they would sway well-positioned politicians to change the entire licensing scheme. Though the two men were unsuccessful in obtaining a license, the revelation prompted by Sisolak, a champion of the industry, if the marijuana's world's, world's more than 700,000 in campaign donations in the 2018 cycle was any indication to proclaim his outrage and order sweeping action. Ask industry advocates, though, and they point to the hapless of conspirators. They appear to hatch their plan in early September 2018, and at the same time as a deadline for complicated application that some businesses have worked Whoops. Bear with me one second. I accidentally clicked one of the links. Where was I again? All right. As industry, as industry advocates, though, and they point to the hapless and the haplessness of the conspirators. They appeared to hatch their plan in early September 2018, the same time as the deadline for a complicated application that some businesses had worked on filing for months or years. They tried to woo a gubernatorial candidate who in 2016 campaigned against the legalization of marijuana, then lost the 2018 election. I think what happened with the Ukrainian with the Ukrainian thing was a three stooges thing. 
said Clark County Commissioner Tick Sagerbloom, a champion of the industry now in the in his former career as state lawmaker. Nevertheless, it prompted Sisolak to convene a secretive task force aimed at rooting out potential, corru- potential corruption in the industry. Sisolak has declined to to do to Sisolak has declined has declined so much as to name the agencies that are part of the task force, saying he doesn't want to compromise their investigations. While insiders say the task that the force is comprised of law enforcement, Sisolak's office said Friday, it still needs time to answer it still needs time to answer a records request about the, the membership three weeks after the Nevada Independent first submitted the inquiry. In neighboring California, the Sacramento Bee found loopholes in the process of changing ownership on marijuana licenses that had allowed dispensary ownership to fall a small number to fall to a small number of people, including a Ukrainian board businessman on the camp on, on campaign finance charges, in spite of anti-monopoly rules. Sacramento is now considering a moratorium of its own on license transfers, and the FBI is investigating whether bribery of city officials paid a role in the licensing process. I mean, just it's just it's funny how all these things are happening, because in my state, you're having the same thing happening. You're having, you know, on a local level, like I've talked about in Massachusetts, a lot of cities and municipalities you know, because when we wrote when when we passed legalization in the law, municipalities were allowed to ask for about three percent of revenue that a new for each new store that was opening, you know, to help with you know parking costs, to help with hiring security, to help with you know you know having por- enough porta potties and lines and all that to sort of help the city you know, recoup costs for opening up a dispensary. But what was what was happening instead in Massachusetts is that on a local level, these these towns and these municipalities were asking far more of that were asking in excess of that three percent. They were asking for way more money than the, the law said. And now now these now these now on a federal level now now there's being investigations being held on 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 whether these these towns and municipalities are are, are breaking the, the law and they're whether or not they're extorting like like they're they're alleged to be doing so again we're dealing with our own corruption problems in in Massachusetts too as a legal state too so it's just it, it's you know it's just crazy how this is all set up that all the that you have all this red tape to get legal and to open a legal shop that only these millionaires can participate in these pay-to-play schemes and then it ends up being very corrupt like we are seeing in nevada and like we're seeing with with the investigations being held in nevada you know we're going through a similar thing in Massachusetts too so again corruption and pay-to-play is the name of the game in legal cannabis sadly right now Let's continue. Still, Sagerbloom believes that Sisolak's response has cast too much suspicion on the system. I understand what Sisolak was saying, but I think he tarnished the whole industry unnecessarily. 
Sager Bloom said, does he know something that I don't know? Well, there could be a few problems here and there. It's phenomenally successful. Moratorium on license transfers. Even more sweeping, state officials in mid-October called for an indefinite moratorium on transfers of licensees. Transfers are common and can result in things like shareholders wanting to sell out or going through a divorce. But critics say that the process of transferring a license is too much easier than the initial application process, and this could lead to unsavory characters getting a foothold in the industry. The Department of Taxation said it would not be processing new or existing applications as it tries to ensure a more thorough and appropriate vetting process within the industry. The moratoriums also can stall major mergers and buyouts, though causing businesses to miss contractual deadlines and face fines. At an October 23rd Reno City Council meeting, officials with Deep Roots Harvest went so far as to say that the hold is likely to scuttle New York City's base Anchorage Holdings plans to acquire the company for $120 million. Quote, with everything that is going on at the state, there is a very low likelihood that the transaction will manifest. Keith Capiro, part owner of Deep Roots Harvest, which won five new dispensary licenses in the latest round. It's definitely affecting folks, Goldwater said. We're trying to figure out the moratorium. It came as a surprise. As for details on time frame of the moratorium, Sisolak deferred to the leader of the Nevada Department of Taxation and his appointee to lead the forthcoming Cannabis Control Board. Tyler Kilmas, a former lobbyist serving in the governor's office in Washington, D.C., who has previously, who was previously a spokesperson for Governor Brian Sandoval and his Silver State Health Insurance Exchange. No, Sisolak said in a brief interview Thursday when asked if he knew when the moratorium would end. I've got total confidence in the taxation director, Melanie Young and Tyler, and they're going to move forward. Trike Companies, which owns reef dispensaries, and this fall announced plans to be acquired by Cresco Labs as urgent quick action. Late last month, the company completed a Hart Scott Redindo Act re review, a detailed antitrust probe involving U.S. Federal Trade Commission and the Department of Justice. While we fully support the governor's efforts to ensure a strong and empowered regulatory framework for Nevada cannabis, we strongly urge a swift re resolution to the moratorium, said Brett Scolari, Tyke's general counsel. Quote, we look forward to working with state officials on a quick resolution of the approval process in the coming months as we take the final step in this highly regulated public transaction. Some in the industry say they support the moratorium, although they sympathize with companies hampered by it. It is a step towards bolstering public confidence in the business of marijuana, they say. Quote, look 
at how the public perceived gaming 50 years ago. That was a huge sin and it looked down upon, Ritter said. Because of what Nevada did to clean up the industry, get the mob out, we prove that that can be done and now gaming has proliferated across the world. That is why I think that in the long term, making sure that this industry is properly regulated, that the owners and managers are properly vetted in the long term, that's good for our industry. Consolidation. Data released by the state through SB 32 illustrate the trend of businesses once led by prominent local names selling for sometimes hundreds of millions of dollars to major multinational companies that seem to launch powerful chains. It's troubled some local government officials who envision a more homegrown local industry and not a Walmart for pot. I think the idea was to keep it local and homegrown and sadly, sadly, I think it's been lost. Reno Mayor Hillary Sheave said in an interview, how is it someone from Canada going to care about the local environment and they're and, and they watching out for the community? Some companies have gone public on the Canadian Stock Exchange, a move that critics say is making it harder to tell who's in control, but that the industry advocates say it's a fact of life because marijuana remains illegal on the federal level and traditional banking and access to capital is out of reach in the U.S. Quote, you can't go to a bank and borrow money to expand, Sager Blum, who was previously on the board of publicly traded Canadian marijuana company that purchased the purchased Green Mart of Nevada. You have to get to the stock exchange somewhere. The data also shows an industry where female owners are firmly in the minority in spite of efforts to promote diversity. High barriers of entry, which include 250,000 and liquid capital appear to be getting higher as the industry grows in sophistication. The professionalization also shows in the Nevada Dispensary Association's recent decision to create a path aimed at shipping at shaping more unified state marijuana policy going forward. The PAC, called the Nevada Can Committee, aims to assist Nevada legal cannabis industry in coalescing its political efforts and engagement, including providing education and support for candidates for elected office, said NDA Executive Director Rena Durrett, who will support candidates from all parties and a variety of backgrounds. While some lament that a substance that handed ha, that landed low-level dealers in jail just a few years ago has evolved into a multi-billion-dollar industry in the purview of the wealthy, wealthy and sophisticated, others say that the industry evolution into increasingly corporate, political, and legal powerhouse is a sign of healthy, maturing industry and ultimately a good thing for the state. I mean, as long as crap, I mean, I, I mean, hopefully this investigation goes as planned and, you know, the 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 power brokers were sort of gaming this and sort of 
you know, exploiting this for pay-to-play corruption or, or doing nefarious things, hopefully they get routed out. And hopefully, you know, average Janes and average Joes in Nevada have a shot at getting in the industry, whether they want to be craft growers, whether they want to be edible producers, whether they just want to grow 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 a bunch of plants in their in their property and then sell it directly to a dispensary. At the end of the day, I want Nevada, Nevada, Nevada citizens to, to be in charge of their market rather than these multinational corporations. And hopefully this investigation can help do that. But we're almost done. Let's continue reading. Nevada's marijuana excise tax funds our state's education program. Growth in the cannabis industry is not just good for jobs and redevelopment. It is also good for education. Bob Grossenbeck, an owner with Planet 13. We cannot speak specifically to all mergers and acquisitions taking place in Nevada, but generally we view this as a positive sign of a healthy industry. Check back with the Nevada Independent in the coming days and weeks for more stories in the Canvas Files series. With the most notable names in the industry, diversity in business, and the consolidations and transfers that are changing the face of the nascent marijuana business in Nevada. And then, end of article. So, like I said, it's very important that, that you know, there's, there's accountability in this industry and that, you know, local governments are not, you know, playing favorites. They're not extorting. The, and you know people aren't just part using these 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 dispensaries that are supposed to help people get treatment and help people get medicine hopefully they're not using it to part capital but you know when you have capitalism you have corruption and when you have people you have corruption in general so you know that's bound to happen but i really do hope that 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 when all is said and done more Nevadans are being cut into the industry and it's not just multi-million dollar corporations that are doing it. So again, it's very important we learn from from other states, provinces, countries, municipalities that have legalized. Because when you when you really look at it, you only have 11 legal states. You have maybe two or three or four countries at most. And this is still new to everyone across the world. We're still we're still learning as we go here. So it's very important we learn from other legal states, other legal countries, other legal municipalities, and you know we we take lessons from those from places that have already had it legal, and that are sort of correcting their problems. And we and the new states can learn and learn from those issues and learn to not repeat said issues. So. Again, um, I really hope you guys got a lot out of this. Um, hopefully, we'll continue covering this. This seems like a very informative series. We're going to continue talking about it. And hopefully, native Nevadans can be put in charge. So, again, I hope you guys got a lot out of this episode. And hope you got a lot out of this sort of dive. And peace out. If you find yourself coming around often to my podcast and want to support our humble little project, there are a few ways that you can do so. Supporting us helps us keep the lights on, pay rent, pay for housing and equipment, and travel. You can do this by going to 
www.anchor.fm slash Sativa podcast slash support. You can also support me now on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Sativa podcast. You can also support the podcast for as little as $1 a month. If you are feeling extra generous, we have $5 and above tiers. Additionally, if you wish to get in contact with us, you can leave me a voice message on Anchor. You can do this by going to www.anchor.fm slash I am Cannabis Sativa podcast and click the send voice message button. And I may just play it on a future episode. You can also call and leave a voice message at the phone number 617-466-9389. That is 617-466-9389. And I may just play it on a future episode. If you are in need of some good CBD products, you can also check out Sequoia Organics for a great source of CBD and hemp products. You can check them out by checking out this link, um, www.bit dot l y slash three three f k r v nine and you can try the following coupon codes dog treat 20 tincture 20 40 percent sign off iso and 15 percent sign off cbd and you can use those codes to get a discount on various CBD products on their website. And if you're looking to get inexpensive CBD flour delivered to your door quickly and cheaply in New England, check out bostonhempire.com where you can get frequent sales on CBD flour and other products such as tinctures and edibles as well too. Boston Hempire will get you cheap CBD flour delivered to your door in New England and the rest of the United States for a very, very good price. And I highly recommend their products too. Feel free to enter the URL HTTPS colon slash slash shop dot Boston dot com slash question mark REF equals D Scotland. Peace out and ciao.